This morning I want to talk about territory. I want to talk about the voices you hear on your way to territory. The voices that you hear on the way to territory. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to look at Joshua. And I've got about 14 or 15 points. And I want to jump into those right away. So if you could turn in your Bibles to Joshua. And we're going to start in Joshua 1. And I want to show you some amazing things about territory and the voices that you hear on the way to territory. Do you know that you can hear the wrong voice? I should have heard some groans there. Like been there, done that. Got the bruise. I didn't buy the t-shirt because I got the bruise. But if you can turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1, I want to show you a number of thoughts as the voice that you hear about the territory that God has for you. First of all, God has territory for you. God has territory. I, I believe God's literally got physical territory, but I also believe He's got spiritual territory. And I want to show you some verses and some thoughts as we look at this, I want to just build your faith, but also I want to put an expectation or a thought into your mind as to what, what does this sound like? What does this look like? Um, have you ever tried a game? Have you, have you ever tried a game that you haven't understood and then you figured it out or you thought you figured it out? And uh, you started to play the game and you figured it out. You figured if I did this move and then that move and then this move and that move. And then I, you know, I, I used to play chess with my dad. And my dad would have three, three chess boards. And he'd have us little, little Stunenberg boys on the other side. And then he'd say, go. And he'd give us a rook and a bush, bishop and a queen and and he he'd take them off of his already and he'd say let's go and you'd think you'd figure out something and so you figured well if i do this move and then this move and that move and and you figure it out so one game you're successful so the next game what you do is you try the same thing and all of a sudden you get like beat real bad anybody can anybody relate or is it just me that doesn't learn this way. But you said, well, I just figured this out. Because if I go this way and that way, he'll do this and then I'll do that. And all of a sudden, I'll, I'll get him checkmate. So then the second time, I'd do that again. And all of a sudden, my dad would go, you really want to do that move? Do you want to reconsider your move? Do you know what's going to happen next? And here I thought I had figured out the game. And I think sometimes we place that thought process with God. And we think we can figure out God. Can I suggest to you, don't try to figure out God. Get to know His voice. When you get to know His voice, all the figuring out is taken care of. 
Because what happens is, well, last time I prayed like this, and then God did this. Therefore, this time I'm going to pray like that. And God, and God says, no, don't try to figure me out. When you try to figure God out, what happens is you reduce God to a formula. You reduce God to a process. You reduce God to some synthesis and some analysis, which leads to paralysis. You will take God and you will all of a sudden make Him some mechanical object instead of a living being. And Winona and I were, were listening to, uh, to a, a series that we have on, online and uh, it was Pastor Bill Johnson, and I thought it was just hilarious because I'm confused when I read the verse. In Proverbs 26, there's two verses right after each other. One verse says, if you answer a fool according to his folly, he thinks he's going to be wise. So you think, okay, so you don't answer a fool to according to his folly. And then it says, um, don't answer a, uh, answer a fool according to his folly unless otherwise he... And it's like there are two complete opposite statements. And after you read them, you go, great. One says, don't answer the fool, and the other verse says, answer the fool. And it's like one right after the other. And he shared it, and I've read that verse many times. And it confuses me. It's like, what do you do? One verse says, answer him. The other verse says, don't answer him. And his statement was so good. He says, it's yes, have you ever asked your parents something when they said, don't do this, but do this and do this? And, and it's just confusing because one statement is positive, the other statement's negative, and the other statement says, don't, uh, go, and the, other, and the second statement says, don't, and you go, what do you want? And they just say, yes. And what he said was, because you have to learn his voice. You have to learn when he's speaking so that you know when you answer a fool and you have to learn his voice so that you know when you don't answer a fool. So as I was studying this, I was reading the book of Joshua. I've been reading it a lot lately. Because to me, it's, it's a tremendous book on territory. And I read it this time, the first eight or nine chapters. I read it to see how many times God said something. And I found it amazing because every time he said something, something happened. And then there were times when he didn't say something and something happened. And usually the times that he didn't say something happened, uh, didn't say something, that what happened was negative. So I'd like to just show you what I studied I'd like to give you some thoughts. So the first thing I want you to see is if you open up the book of Joshua, the first chapter, it says in the first verse, it says, The Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant. And he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving them. Notice it says, to the land which I'm giving them. It's not to the land that they're, gonna, that they're doing all the work for. It's the land that I'm, God wants to give you. God wants to give you. And so we see in the first couple verses right off the bat, God speaks to Joshua and he says, arise and go. Go. 
He says, I'm, I want you to cross the Jordan. <laughs> Anybody here ever cross a ditch without getting wet? No? A ditch that's eight feet wide and I calculate how far I could jump and I could never get across. Can you imagine taking in the neighborhood of a million people across a river? I mean, I can't even take a million people across a ditch without any one of them not getting wet. But here's God's instruction. I want you to cross over the Jordan to the land that I'm going to give them. Whose voice? Who's speaking here? Say it a little louder. God. God's voice. He continues on through nine verses. And that passage there carries Josh all the way through. Josh. <laughs> Joshua. Forgive me. I have a son named Joshua, so I call him Josh. But that passage there carries Joshua through to the point where he now, um, in verse 10, God gives him the instructions, verses 1 to 9. In verse 10, then Josh commanded the officers of the people. So God spoke, Joshua responded. Now I want you to flip through down to chapter 3. So chapter 1, he gives the instruction. Chapter 2, they, they actually go and they spy out the land. So this is the second time that I see God speaking in this passage. And if you go down to verse 7, in chapter 3, Now the Lord said to... So they get to the Jordan. So Joshua's taken this group of people to the Jordan. When, on your way to see your territory, on your way to experience the provision that God has for you, on your way to see the breakthroughs, you're going to come across some hurdles. You're going to come across some rivers that are flowing. And you're going to say, yeah, but I believe God's giving me that area on the other side of that. And what does God do? He says, now the Lord said to Joshua, Verse 7, chapter 3. Now the Lord said to Joshua, and then he, he tells them in verse 8, You shall moreover command the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. What does God do? He gives them the instruction. God will give you the instruction. You don't have to figure God out. What we need to do is we need to learn how to listen. Joshua was walking in what God said to him. He comes up to the Jordan and God says, okay, this is what I want you to do. God might give you some real funny explanations on what you need to do in order to see a breakthrough. Because usually when you come to a river, you build a bridge and get over it. Here he's saying, I want you to walk through it. And what does Joshua do? Verse 9. Then Joshua said to the sons of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord. What does Joshua do? He takes what God says and he does it. So that's number two. Do you see a pattern starting? 
It is critical. It is crucial. It is mega important that we learn how to hear God's voice. Because there are so many voices in the world today. You can get so busy. This week, Winona and I had a very busy day. And it was like I was running from one thing to another to another. And that evening, I finally got to sit down and, and we had some worship music. We had a, a few other people with us. And it was like I sat down and all of a sudden, I was, oh, I was able just to sit in His presence. And I was able to hear His voice. So chapter 3, flip to chapter 4. Verse 1. Now, when all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua. Man, I like this. The Lord speaks to him. God's not going to just give you an instruction and then say, see you in a month. He's there with you every step of the way. When God gives you an instruction and He's ready to give you a territory, He's going to give you the instructions and the wisdom and the supernatural understanding on how to get there. And it may not look the same. It might not look the same to everyone here. Don't try to figure God out and say, because God said it this way to me, it must mean that God's going to do it that way with you. No, we must learn His voice and hear His voice so that when He speaks, we know how to respond. So God says to Joshua, take for yourself 12 men, one from each tribe, and command them, take up yourself 12 stones from here in the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet are standing. So they're crossing the Jordan. What does Joshua do? Verse 4, so Joshua called the 12 men whom he appointed, and he says to them, cross again to the ark of God and into the middle of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder. So what does he do? He hears his voice. He does what God says. He hears his voice. I think sometimes we overcomplicate our relationship with Christ. I think sometimes we've got 12 steps that we've got to do and we've got to say this and we've got to chant this and we've got to rehearse this and we've got to memorize this and we've got to stand in a certain... I've got to stand facing this way and I've got to go, okay, speak now, Lord. No, we need to learn how to talk with Him. We need to learn how to hear His voice. Sometimes He'll speak quietly. Other times He yells other times, He gives you a sign. Other times, He might open up a door that you just, you just know because what happens is you start to recognize His voice. When I started um, relating with Winona, I had to get to know her. We've been married 30 years this, this August. We can start to finish each other. I mean, we start talking. We'll be driving in the car and I'm not a huge talker in the car. But we'll have a conversation in our house. We'll get in the car and we'll have a whole other conversation. And then all of a sudden my wife will just say something like, you know why they did that? And I know exactly who she's talking about. I know which child did what. She'll go, you know, I was thinking we should do it this way. And I know exactly. And, and she's picking up from three conversations earlier we haven't even been talking about that for 35 minutes. 
But all of a sudden, and I know exactly. We'll be sitting there looking at something. It's amazing. I, I find it funny. We'll be driving in the vehicle. And we'll see something odd. And she will say, did you notice? And, I say, and I'll just say, yeah, how that tree was leaning in a certain direction. And it's exactly what she's thinking. And what I'm thinking. And what happens is because after a while you get to know the voice. You get to know the person. If you went with me for a ride and all of a sudden I just blurted out, yeah, I think that's a good idea, let's do it. You'd look at me and go, what are you doing? What was in that water? Where are you going? But after you spend time with somebody, all of a sudden you recognize the conversations, you understand the tone, you understand the, the nuances, you understand the inflection. Pastor uh, Dr. Brown says sometimes in speaking with the Holy Ghost, sometimes we think the Holy Ghost has got to speak audibly like this. Other times, and he says, sometimes he just goes, hmm, hmm, ooh. But when you learn how to hear his voice, you learn how to understand his steps. You learn his direction. And Joshua here, he hears his voice, and then I just love it. It says, then Joshua, or so Joshua. My prayer is that I would become so close to hearing God's voice that the moment he says something, it would be then David. I would be so in tune with his voice that when he says something, you'll, I'll hear it, and then it's, so David turned around and went the other direction. Even when I'm driving, that I'd be so sensitive to hear his voice. Because he's master, he's smart, like he's super smart. So when he gives me a thought or a direction or an input, it's usually the smartest input available. Usually it is. So Joshua. So that's chapter 4. He's, he crosses the Jordan. Go to 4.15. Now the Lord said to Joshua. Verse 17. So Joshua commanded. Do you see how quick and how thorough, and how the process is. God speaks, Joshua does. Why am I teaching you this? Why am I saying this? Because I believe God has territory for each one of us. But sometimes I think we have a hard time hearing or understanding. Is that God's voice? His voice is consistent with His Word. Joshua was told, you're going to go across the Jordan. Then God gave him the instructions. Continuing, turn to chapter 5. I don't think I've ever preached five chapters this quick. <laughs> chapter 5. It says, at that time the Lord said, in verse 2, the Lord said to Joshua, make yourself flintstone, flintstones. No, flint knives. <laughs> flintstones. I don't know where I got that from. Flint knives. I've got the bedrock version of the Bible. Take, at that time, make for yourself flint knives. <laughs> yeah, but that would do. And circumcise again the sons of Israel. Verse 3. So Joshua did it. Do you see a pattern? God speaks, 
And usually the amount of time between the response, the shorter the time between it, the better the response. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? When you receive an instruction and by the time you do it, if you can somehow take that gap and make it shorter, usually good things happen. All the parents understand that principle. Johnny, I told you to do this. And it's an hour later. If he would have done it immediately, it would have been no issue. But what happens in that one hour, it's like, whoa, I didn't think so much could happen in that space of time. When you shorten the distance between the instruction and the doing, or the voice and the, the hearing and the, and the doing, you eliminate a whole lot of issues. That's a good principle right there. Eliminate that gap. I believe in the gap theory. I want you to see verse 6. This is amazing. For the sons of, of Israel, this is chapter 5, verse 6. For the sons of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness unto all the nation, that is, the men of war. The men of war who came out of Egypt perished because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord. Here's an instruction. The men of war, it says in another passage that the men of war were not the ones that went into the land, but their children were the ones that took the possession. It's almost like you guys were the men of war. You guys were the ones that I designed it for and planned it for, but you didn't accept it. Your children got it. Children, unqualified, just little ones. They're not trained. They're not learned. They're not schooled. And yet they're the ones that God let take it. And here's a, an instance when they didn't listen to the voice because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. That's a serious consequence. On your way to, to taking territory and on your way to possess the territory that God wants to give you, obey His voice. Because the results of disobedience is drastic. Verse 9, chapter 5. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And then if you continue down, Joshua is now getting ready to go to Jericho. And in verse 14, or 13, it says, Now it came about when Joshua was looking at Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us? Or for our adversaries? Are you with us or are you against us? I just love this answer. No, rather indeed I've come as a captain, as captain of the host of the Lord. On your way to territory, listening to his voice, Jesus was there with Joshua. God is there. He is committed for you to receive the gifts and the plans and the process and the territory of what God has for you. He is committed to it. He was so committed to Joshua, he dispatched the angel of the Lord, which is Jesus himself, to take him into the promised land. You're not in this alone. He heard his voice. 
And what does Joshua say? He falls on his face, bows down, and he says, What has my Lord to say to his servant? You'll never possess territory if you don't possess hearing. You'll never get to the territory that God has for you if you don't learn how to listen. What does my Lord have to say to his servant? Go to chapter 6. Verse 2, then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand with its kings and valiant warriors. And then he gives them the instructions on how to conquer uh, Jericho. And you want to see some funny instructions? What I'd like you to do is I'd like you to march around that city one time every day for six days. And then on the seventh day, I'd like you to march around that city seven times. And then at the end, you're going to just shout and, and proclaim and give me praise, and you're going to take the city. Where is the battle in that? Now, I, I went online this morning to see what Jericho looked like. Jericho, they say, had two sets of walls. They had a set of walls that was roughly 30 feet high, then they had earth going up, and then they had a second wall. Not quite as tall. So the walls were not like just one little wall, like a two-by-eight wall that we build, or a two-by-six wall, or a fence. This was like a fortified place. And they marched around it. They say approximately the size of the land when you take the inner city and the outside was approximately in the neighborhood of nine to ten acres. So if they walked around it, you could see them walking around it once. I mean, by the time they started walking around it, and by the time they got around, they probably caught up to the guys in front of them, almost ready to do a lap. That just came to me. But when, when, when you start doing and obeying God's voice, He will give you, sometimes He'll give you some funny instructions. I figure if i got to take that city... The best way to do it is not by walking around it. I should be taking it. I should be advancing into it. No, sometimes God's instruction to you is to walk and to listen to His voice and to do what He says. Don't try to figure God out. Don't try to figure out the supernatural. Don't try to figure this out so that, oh, the next time I'm going to do it this way because the next time God might say, you know what, I don't want you to do it that way. So Joshua does what God says. Verse 6. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priest and said to them, take up the ark of covenant, and he, and he explains to them what's going to happen. God gives him the instruction, so Joshua doesn't. Lord, if I could be so quick to respond to your instructions. I see a lot of grief that I've caused in my own life because I don't listen to the instruction God gave me. And then usually later I go, huh, that's right, didn't he say... Anybody ever experience that, you know, deja vu all over again. 
didn't he say, oh my Lord, help me. Joshua, the, the moment God gives him the instruction to the moment he does it, the shorter you can take that distance, the better off you'll be. I mean, we tell our kids that all the time. It's funny, we expect more out of our kids than we expect out of ourselves. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I'm, I was raising my children, and I expected them to be more mature than I was. God, you guys should be saying thank you, you should be saying great, you should be opening the door, you should be running ahead of us opening the door, you should be doing this, you should be smiling all the They were doing stuff that I didn't do. When we can take the moment we hear His voice to the moment when we obey the instruction, and the shorter that distance, the better. So they do this. And if you read chapter 6, you'll find out that they conquered the land based on how God said it. Then we get to chapter 7. And what happens? Let's go to verse 2. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel, and he said to them, Go up and spy the land. So the men went up and spied out Ai. Something's missing here. I want to see if you can pick up what's missing. They returned to Joshua and said to him, Don't let all the people go up. Only about two or 3,000 men need to go up to Ai. Don't make all the people toil up there, for there are only a few. So about 3,000 men went up. But they fled from the men of Ai. The men of Ai struck down about 36 men. And they pursued them as far as the gate. And they struck them down in the, on the descent. So the hearts of the people melted and became as water. What's missing in there? God's instruction. But we just had this amazing, crazy victory. We just had this walls fall down. We just conquered Jericho. And Ai is nothing. I mean, guys, don't even send everybody. Just send a few thousand. It's okay. I don't see God's voice anywhere in this instruction. The moment of your success can be the biggest challenge that you face. The moment you succeed in something that God's given you can be the biggest challenge for your next step. Don't think success is always going to be just easy. Sometimes success can challenge you more than defeat. Because success, we think we've figured this out. They've figured it out. And man, we can do something so, oh, that is so minuscule, we won't even bother God. He's got so much on His mind. And the success they had became the impetus to the defeat they experienced. Don't ever think success is everything that you need. You still need to hear His voice. You still need to hear His voice. Don't just think, well, I'm successful at this, therefore I'm going to be successful at that. No, you need to hear His voice every step and every moment as you move forward. And here they were, they just succeeded in Jericho, and all of a sudden they come to Ai, and they think, well, we don't even need to talk. They didn't even talk with God. A 
I used to think success was everything. Now I realize, no, I need to learn from my successes the same way I learn from my defeats. Because if you don't take anything away from a success, you're bound to do something worse. Don't try to figure, oh God, oh, God gave me this great victory. Now I figured God out. If I get up at 6 a.m. and I do this and I do that and I posture myself this way and, no, hear his voice. And if you continue down in chapter 7, verse 10, I find this amazing. So the Lord said to Joshua, here's Joshua, he's, he's, he's wailing and, and going before the Lord, what is going on? Why are you telling me to go take this land and then we die and people beat us up and, and everybody's going to hear of this and they're going to just, they're going to cut us off. They're going to defeat us. And the Lord says to Joshua, rise up. Why is it that you've fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. I would suggest to you that if Joshua would have been careful hearing his voice, he would have known what the issue was. Because when we listen to God's voice, we will hear. And if Joshua would have heard, listened carefully, he probably wouldn't have had to bow his face on the ground. He would have recognized something went wrong here. We didn't hear his voice. When you have an instance in your life that doesn't turn out the way you expected, instead of groveling, going on the ground, and throwing ashes up in the air and letting them fall on you, instead of doing that, say, God, how did I miss your voice? And sometimes it be as simple as saying, Lord, how did I miss your voice instead of going through the protracted uh, pity exercise. And I find this interesting. God, God says to him, rise up. Why are you on your ground? When we make a mistake, sometimes it's because we don't listen to God's voice. And, he's, and instead of what I need to do, instead of groveling and going on the ground, I need to go, God, I've mistaken. I've, I made a mistake. I repent. Lord, help me. I want to hear your voice. Hearing his voice is crucial for you to get to the territory God's got for you. You won't get to the territory if you don't hear His voice. I mean, how do you know His territory if you don't know His voice? So God speaks to him. And then he gets to chapter 8. Actually, what's really interesting, actually, if you, if you were to read about this, they, they, it's... It, God tells them how to figure out where the problem is in chapter 7. God tells them it's of this tribe, it's of this family, and, and God says, this is what I want you to do. And they go through the process, and they get to a guy named Achan. He's Achan for a breaking. Thank you, Olivia. <laughs> Bang! You know how they have that drum set? They go, cha-ching! She's my cha-ching. Um, He's aching for a breaking. He stole things that God said don't take. But you know what he did with them? He hid them in the ground under his tent. I think that's ironic. I think that's funny. A guy went through the trouble of taking something he knew he shouldn't have, but then he never got to enjoy the pleasure of it. He hid it. 
he couldn't sit there with everybody else that everybody else didn't take anything and he couldn't sit there and enjoy it with them. He actually put it in the ground, hid it in the dirt, in the earth, and put his tent over it. I, I just find that we, sometimes we, we think we get away with something, but we got nobody to enjoy it with. My prayer is that you hear his voice. So if you continue now, go to chapter 8, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Joshua, Don't be dismayed or fear or dismayed. Take all the people of war with you. Arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given it into your hand, the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to him just like you did to Jericho, except you're going to take its spoil and its cattle as plunder for yourselves. Set an ambush. He even tells them how to do it. Set an ambush for the city behind it. God is the greatest strategist you'll ever find. He can give you strategies that nobody else can give you. And in this military exercise, God gave Joshua the strategy on how to receive and take possession of that land. As you move forward and you see territory that God's given you, there's some territory I'm believing God for in the spirit realm. I'm believing God for healings. This morning, I believe He gave me a thought as I was meditating on healing, as I was meditating on some of the hindrances or some of the, the aspects of discerning what is, is involved in healing. God gave me just a little tidbit. Say, David, this is what I want you to look for. When you go for the territory that God has for you and you make steps toward it, He will give you the strategy. I believe He can even do that physically. I've seen where God has given people strategy on how to possess something that shouldn't have been able to be possessed physically, naturally. I've seen it in the spirit realm. I see it in the natural realm. God is the greatest strategist. The Holy Spirit will give you better advice than a financial planner. The Holy Spirit will give you better advice than anybody else. It doesn't mean you don't listen to Him. It says in the multitude of counselors, their safety. But always, always, always involve the Holy Spirit. He's my first call. You know, if you've got a speed dial list, make sure Holy Spirit's like number one. You know, put it in your phone. Give somebody the phone and say, hey, can you make a phone call? Do, do my favorites. Do number one. And then see what they pull it up. Holy Spirit? Yeah. Try that. See what happens. He should be the first call. Go down to verse 18 of chapter 8. Holy Spirit speaking. Then, so now they've, they've, they've ambushed the city. What I find amazing too, as I've been studying victories and battles in the scriptures, it takes one person to change a battle. And when you look at David and Goliath, Goliath was taunting the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. He was taunting them. Nobody went up against him. 
The Philistines basically were controlling Israel. And what did it take? It took one man. In fact, it took a boy. And if you really want to look at it, it took a stone. And a little stone, smaller than a rock, he flung. And God directed it to the only spot that would do the damage. And that act turned a nation that was barbaric and bullying turned them on their heels and they left and fled. It is amazing when you study the, the victories in the Bible how there's one person or one event that just literally turns the table. And if you read Ai, the king went out and they thought, oh great, we're going to get Israel the same way we did last time. And they all ran out. And it says they looked behind themselves and they saw their city being plundered and their strength just went just like that. If you can understand the key to the victory, if you can see whether it's a spiritual thought or whatever that one key is to that victory, if you can see that, understand that, and grab it, you will see more happen by getting that than doing all the other stuff. If you can get to the root of the issue, you don't have to deal with all the periphery stuff. But quite often we deal with the periphery and we don't deal with the root. And all we do is we just weed whack it. And it looks nice and green and cut. And then the rain falls and all of a sudden it comes and it seems to get heavier and heavier and heavier every time we do that. We take the weed whacker out and let's just cut it. But if we took the shovel and went down and grabbed the root, it wouldn't grow again. If you can find the one spiritual principle in that situation... If you're looking for something natural, if you can find there is one key to a business deal, there's one key, there's one key individual, there's one key telephone call, and if you can get that because the Holy Spirit can give it to you, you can make more progress with one phone call than you can if you try to contact 25 other people. And it doesn't necessarily mean you go all the way to the top, but it's making strategic advice from the Holy Spirit. David and Goliath. Here, the king of Ai, they were so strong the day before. They turn around and they see their city being plundered. And it's amazing because they had no problem chasing uh, children of Israel the day before. Before that. But how their strength was sapped by one thing. Take a look at Gideon. You want to see an amazing, take, you read his story in Judges chapter 6 and on. And he has a crowd, I think, of 30,000 guys. Then he says, listen, if you're afraid, go home. So 20,000 leave, he's left with 10,000. And God says, that's still too many. Have them drink some water. And watch how they drink water. And he, he goes from 10,000 to 300. And God says, great, now we're ready. Then he tells them how to do the battle. And he says, Gideon, if you're freaked out tonight, why don't you just go down and listen to the camp of, of the, uh, I think it was the Malachites, I could be wrong, but just go down to their camp and listen. So he takes his armor bearer with him, they go down, and the guy has a dream. 
And he says, I saw this thing rolling and it just destroyed. And the other guy goes, oh, well, that's Gideon. He's going to kill us. <laughs> the enemy knew what was coming. Think about that. You read here, AI, they were freaked out. Jericho. Jericho was worried for 40 years. For 40 years, they were expecting Israel to come and get them. They had more faith in God than Israel did. Your enemy has more faith in what God can do sometimes than we do. I don't think God can do it. And the enemy's going, oh Lord, please don't do it. And Gideon goes, and then you see how Gideon wars his battle. I mean, he's, he doesn't have, he's got a jar and a, and a uh, torch, and I think they're hidden or something. And he breaks the jar and he yells and the sword of the Lord and the Gideon, and he raises the, like, that's not how you do a battle. It is when God says so. Don't worry about what other people tell you. What's God speaking to you? What's God saying to you? Do you know His voice? Do you know when He's speaking to you? Can you hear His voice and can you say, that's His voice? And what's amazing is when you can, nothing else will get in the way. I heard from God, this is what I'm doing. So God tells Joshua, he's running out and he's drawing the enemy out. And then he says, turn around and hold up your sword, your javelin. And that's in verse 18 of chapter 8. Then the Lord said to Joshua, stretch out the javelin that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. So Joshua stretched out the javelin. And the men in the ambush rose quickly and they stretched out their hand, ran and entered the city and captured it and they quickly set the city on fire. When the men of Ai turned back and looked, behold, the smoke of the city ascended to the sky and they had no place to flee this way or that way. For the people had been fleeing to the wilderness, turned against to pursue. You need to start turning around and start pursuing that thing that's been pursuing you. Listen to God's voice. Hear His voice. And he will turn the tides around. I got one last thing. Two, two actually. If you go to verse 27. Chapter 8. It says, Israel took only the cattle and the spoil of the city as plunder for themselves according to the word of the Lord. According to the word of the Lord which he had commanded Joshua. Now I want you to turn to chapter 9. I just find this amazing. How many conversations he has with God. He crosses the Jordan. God continues talking to him. He defeats Jericho. And in one victory, he's had all this conversation, and one victory, he puts God out of the equation. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I've been listening to you, God. You give me all this. And it's been good advice, God. Like, you know, I did things that were like other people said couldn't be done. And I saw victories. I saw spiritual things. I saw natural things happen. Thank you, God. I got this victory. It's okay, God. I don't need you. 
I've been there. Then I have distress. Then I have trouble. They rectify it. They continue from AI. They now defeat AI. They're all happy and excited. Another nation hears of them, the Gibeonites. Don't think just because you had one victory, everything's going to be okay. Don't think just because you had a second victory, everything's going to be okay. Don't think just because you had multiple victories, you must always hear God's voice. I cannot stress that enough. You must hear His voice. It must be there all the time. Because when you leave it out, problems happen, situations happen, and we find ourselves with drama because we left God out of the equation. And what happens here? Gibeonites, the next nation, which was greater, hears about this, and they come up with this plan. And I just love reading this passage because I love the word worn out. So if you go to verse 3, when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and to Ai, the enemy's going to hear of the victories you've had. You know what? They've got a gossip rumor mill going on there too, and they know their impending defeat. They know they can't continue because we are on the move. They know that there's territory being taken, and they're freaking out. They believe they're going to be taken. They've got faith to believe that they're going to be defeated. I don't understand that, but they believe they're going to be killed. Like, how depressing is that? So they acted craftily and set out envoys and took worn-out sacks on their donkeys, wineskins worn out and torn and mended, and worn out and patched sandals on their feet, and worn out clothes on themselves, and all the bread of their provision was dry and become crumbled. crumbled. Do you know the enemy is going to try to deceive you and trick you so that he can stay alive? Don't make deals with the enemy. Don't allow excuses. Don't, I mean... They were convincing. They were convincing. And if you continue reading on, you'll get to the point in verse 14. So from verse 7 down to verse 14, they're convincing Israel. What, in fact, I think it's a, in verse 8, Joshua says to them, We are your servants. They said, then said to Joshua, Who are you and where do you come from? How do we don't know that you didn't come from a land close by. I mean, he even called them on it. In verse 14, so the men of Israel took some of their provisions. Don't take the provisions of the enemy. Don't try his dry bread. It's dry. It might even be moldy. Don't go for it. Took some of their provisions and did not ask counsel of the Lord. Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them. And then it says the next verse, three days later. <laughs> three days! They were prepared to be in bondage to Israel in order to live. Hear God's voice. 
I gave you 13 or 14 verses in about a six, seven chapter span or nine chapters where God spoke, Israel did it, and then there's a couple, two or three spots where God didn't speak and Israel did, and you can see the difference. You can see the success, you can see the victory, and you can see the defeat. Don't allow excuses. Don't make excuses. Be accountable to God. Don't look at the enemy and accept and make deals with the enemy. Hear his voice. You will accomplish more quicker by hearing his voice. I believe God's got territory for every one of us, every one of you. And as I study it and as I look at it, I don't think we have to overcomplicate it. I think it starts by hearing his voice. And the best way I've learned how to hear his voice is by reading his manual. That's the best way. As I've read his manual, I start to read and hear how he thinks. As I spent time with him, I started actually, you know what? I've understood some of his thoughts. I've, I've actually completed a couple sentences and they've been like the same. I'm not getting it right all the time. I've made some doozers, but I'm getting a little better. But the more time I spend in here, the less time I spend in retreat. So I want to encourage you, this year is a year of territory. And to me, one of the simplest ways of understanding territory is hearing His voice. I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to pray that you would understand His voice more. I believe we hear it, but sometimes I'm not sure if we connect all the dots. So I'm just going to ask God this week that as you spend time with Him, you will hear His voice clearer, stronger, better. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. Lord, I ask this week that we would hear Your voice with clarity, understanding. That we'd spend more time with you and that we would begin to hear your voice and so the territory that you have for us would become clear. You'd give us strategy. You'd give us ideas. You'd give us thoughts. And we would see and understand with more clarity because we understand your voice. Lord, I, I ask that you be with everyone this week. I speak healing to hearts, to minds, to bodies. Ask for your provisions to roll over and take over people this week. Lord, I ask that you give us opportunities to share your love and your truth and your joy to those around us who may not know it and may not understand it, but need it. In your precious name, and everybody said... Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week.